So rather than talk about Julie Dash's Daughters of the Dust and Haile Garima Sankofa separately and examine uh, you know, the issues raised in each particular film or the kinds of problematics they take on uh, in sound and image, I wanted instead to talk about them together. And I wanted to talk about them together because they're both films about the memory of slavery. They're both films about the relationship between the United States and Africa as mediated through African-American memory, African-American bodies, and especially in the case of Dash's Daughters of the Dust, African-American cultural practices and habits. But I want to talk about them together because of what they say and how they say very differently something about how we imagine or how we answer the question, what is an African-American? Now, on the one hand, you might say, well, what is an African-American? Well, we can think about that simply by examining the you know, expansive and rich and deep cultural history of African-American life, which has made uh, not only uh, an enormous mark and impact on American culture. In fact, American culture is unthinkable without African-American culture. Um, in many ways, those are the same thing. But also, there's the question of, of you know, when we ask, like, what is an African-American, to look at, you know, what are the relationships between African-Americans and a sense of roots in Africa? In that register, framed in that way, Garima and Dash are saying very different things, and I think the fact that they're saying very different things is important for us to not only acknowledge, but to put under a critical microscope, right? to, in other words, to say it, but also to think about, talk about, decide what is particularly uh, convincing about one and what is particularly not convincing, perhaps, about the other. If we take up the relationship between these two films in this way, I think we see immediately two, um, at least first glance and even second glance level, uh, continuity between the two. The first is to say what an African-American is, is to seize upon the first word in that phrase, African-American, African. Right? What an African-American is, is someone who is a descendant of people from Africa. Right? And uh, we all know, or hopefully know, the story of, of what that means outside of recent immigration. It meant forced migration through the Middle Passage and plantation slavery. And second, what uh, it's not simply a question of heritage and origin and bloodlines or something along those lines, but also that what it means to be African-American is what it means to have a relationship of memory to Africa, right? what does it mean to remember Africa? And what are, and this is the important part where there's a split, but it initially appears as a similarity, is the question of what does it mean to remember how ought African-Americans remember Africa? I say that question of memory is, uh, say that the question of memory is so important because it like all memory, is not a question that, that has a, an easy answer, a transparent answer, and therefore it is not a question, the question of memory, that has 
an unmediated response to it. All of the responses to what it means to be African-American and to remember Africa, all responses to that are going to be mediated by certain kinds of political and cultural values. And so political and cultural values are important in on the one hand, if we take the question of culture, right, cultural values, the question of how we ought to understand the position and place of African culture in African-American culture. Is it something that ought to be amplified and embellished and sort of placed at the center of African-American life and self-conception? Or is the question of, of, of African culture something else? Right? Is it a fragment or trace, right? Or is it something that is worked over by African Americans, worked over in the sense of like worked through, processed, and retooled and made into new things? Those are two very different ways of understanding a relationship, cultural relationship to Africa in a memorial context, right? Whether it's to remember one's Africanness or to understand that Africa is a part of African-American cultural formation and therefore something that we ought to recognize and honor and keep alive as an element of memory, but not the designated object of memory itself. There is really the question for me then of, of the political relationship or the political framing and mediation of memory of Africa that brings the cultural question into a kind of visceral reality. And by political here, I don't mean political in the sense of like, are you down with the colonizer or the colonized or some kind of either or logic like that. What I mean by the political question of memory of Africa is the way the memory of Africa might animate how we live together, right? Uh, in the case of both these films, we meaning African-Americans, right? How do African-Americans live together as people, right? That's the original meaning of, of politics in its richest and most expansive sense. The sense of a polis, the sense of how we live together, how we belong or don't belong together. And when we think about then the political mediation of memory of Africa, it's a question of how ought we as African-Americans, if we're African-American, how ought African-Americans live together in a memory of Africa? Where does Africa show up in that living together, in that memory? And there, in this question of mediation, I think we see incredibly important differences between Dash and Garima. In, in Daughters of the Dust, one of the things that I find so moving and beautiful and important about the film is the way Nana Pazant is centered in the film as the carrier of memory, the carrier of the memory of slavery. She's a carrier of the memory of slavery in that she keeps talking about the old times, right? Those olden times that everyone wants to put behind them as the family, you know, organizes to, uh, so many of them organize to migrate to the north, right, to Nova Scotia. But when she's talking about the old times, she's not talking about Africa. She's talking about slavery, right? And what happened and who lived through that, how they lived through that, what it means that they survived it, and her desire 
which has very tragic resonance across the film until the very end, uh, her desire that her memory of slavery not die with her. She, like uh, a few of the other elders, uh, elderly women in the film, uh, her hands are stained with, with um, dye, with indigo dye. And that's this other way that Dash is trying to communicate this notion of, of memory being carried, not just in stories that are told, not just in rituals of, of gathering and living together, but also in the bodies themselves. Right. I love that Dash does not locate the memory of slavery in the body in terms of, of simply like scars or premature aging and death, but in, in this stain, right? A stain on her skin, which is a stain, so it's something done involuntarily to her body. Right? That's what slavery is, doing something involuntary to someone's body. But it's also beautiful, right? Indigo is a such a prized die in the Americas and was such an important um, uh, important part of the, the economics of slavery in South Carolina because it's beautiful. And so it's something beautiful on her skin that is also the reminder of something grotesque and terrifying. And the way Nana is able to have both of those things in her body, right, is part of what it means for her to remember and what she wants others to remember. She doesn't want slavery to be something shameful. She wants it instead to be something painful, something that had to be survived, and something that marks her body and also marks the body of the other older women. But it is also in that, 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 that memory of, of, of what it did to the body is the need for those stories to live for the humanity of those who survived slavery to live through those stories. That's her anxiety that in, in moving to the north and leaving behind Ibo Landing, the whole family will have forgotten where they came from, not just the place of Ibo Landing, but the stories of those who survived unspeakable conditions in order that everyone else live. And so for me, some of the most important um, shots in Daughters of the Dust are those shots of the shoreline where it's usually the women and the girls gathering in their white dresses. Just these gorgeous Arthur Jaffa's um, cinematography and art is just astonishing in the film. The way uh, it brings us to the beauty of the shoreline, but that we're also reminded throughout the film, uh, especially in in in, in um, in a couple of monologues of the stories that attach to that shoreline, namely the, the mass suicide of Africans who saw from the ship that they would be enslaved and that they chose death rather than slavery. So the shoreline also has that as this painful place, right, as this painful vision that you see as you look out into that ocean, that you ought to see the presence of this mass suicide, but that you also ought to see the presence of the children running on the beach and the beauty of their skin, of their dresses, of their sounds, of their movements. As they play in that same place, that was also something so terrifying and horrifying and, and something that haunts Ebo Landing. That's very clear, that it's a haunting story. But it's also a mythic story. 
And I think it's so interesting when the, the, you know, the one Muslim in the group comes up, he's West Indian, and he, and he comes over and he's like, well, I, they died. They, they actually did not you know, walk across the water back to the continent of Africa, which is the myth of, of Iba landing, that these Africans just walked back to Africa. And he says, no, you know, they, they, had, they had shackles on them. They, they, they were pulled to the bottom of the sea and we never saw them again. In that moment in the film, it's very late where we are reminded of the difference between telling a real story and telling a mythic story is for me really important because it says something about, about it helps fill out the picture, I should say, of this uh, answer to this question, what is an African-American for Julie Dash? Because what an African-American is for Julie Dash is a descendant of enslaved peoples who have a beautiful story to tell that is also terrifying, that is utterly speakable, but also utterly unspeakable. And I don't want to call it a paradox. It's instead, I think, a mixture. But all of that takes place on the land of the United States. And so the film also has this evocation of Africa, the other side of the sea, right, the other side of the ocean, and the mythic Africans who came and refused to be enslaved and walked back to the continent. So this idea that Africa comes to mean for this African-American community, right, uh, becomes a mythical place and a part of the mythos. And I mean myth in the best sense. It's how myths are how we make sense of the world. Myths are how, how we embed and embellish stories about real human beings in order to make sense of our lives and to, to shift and elevate memories of the past, to give it different meaning. And there, the story of Evo Landing and these Africans who, who, who departed back to Africa Right, through, a, through a miracle of nature, right, ends up being this projection of a fantasy. But it's a fantasy that's important because it marks the limit of what you say when you say African-American. It leans in that way on the American part of African-American, that on the other side of the hyphen of African-American is American. And that makes us reframe the word Africa for Julie Dash, that it comes in some ways before the hyphen, but can only be understood after. That the African of African-American for Dash is understood through the lens or the frame of, of American. And I like that she indulges that not as a criticism of anything or of anybody, but instead as a way of taking very seriously this, um, taking very seriously this idea that African-Americans are their own people and that Africa figures as a mythic story. And that's part of the beauty of Africa for African-Americans, right? And what we see in, in Sankofa is that Garima has a very different, we might even say inverted sense of the relationship between Africa and America in the phrase or the, the name or terminology African-American. So I think at bottom, what we can say about Garima's vision of what is an African-American or his argument, I guess you could say in the film, is that African-Americans are forgetful. They forget their roots in Africa. That African-Americans are at some level damaged and in need of saving 
by Africa and Africans. Now, the way he makes that argument in the film is through some of his more tragic characters, right? The, 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 who he makes the bad enslaved person is a mixed race person who throws in his lot with the enslaver right that plays a role of the enslaved overseer right so in the slavery system a slight notch above you know your the people they oversee and he's the son of course of a of an african-born woman right and uh and of of her rapist right the plantate one of the plantation uh, family members uh, owners members and in designating him as really the most tragic and torn apart figure, part of what Garima is saying there is that this, that the closer you get to American in the phrase African-American, the further you get from the truth of who and what you are. I think about this especially because Shona, right, who's initially this, this uh, you know, beautiful African-American model who's at a photo shoot at this uh, door of no return, right, who doesn't understand that this is sacred space. This is sacred space because this is where millions of Africans were sent to enslavement and, and uh, many of them death in the Middle Passage. She doesn't understand the sanctity of this space. And so it just becomes like a, 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 a sort of statuesque kind of castle for as a background. She's... Uh, you know, time travels through the drummer, right, who brings her back to the memory of what this place really is. But it's not just what the castle is. It's not just what the slave trading fort is on the ocean. It takes her back to who she is, that that fort is the hyphen of African-American rather than the experience of being in the United States, which is for multiple generations, which is Dash's argument that Nana Pazant is American, right? She's African-American, but the American informs the Africanness. Whereas Garima is saying, you know, the, Af the hyphen of African-American, the thing that makes those two things joined is actually at the shoreline of Africa, not the shoreline of South Carolina or of Agola Island. And so in thinking then about that space of the, of the fort, on the African shoreline as the hyphen of African-American. Garima makes that argument deeper as he tracks Shona's life right, through this time travel uh, uh, experiment, her life in the United States, in which we find that the longer the enslaved people have been in the United States, right, the longer they have been enslaved in the Americas, the more lost they are, the more hopeless they are, the more susceptible they are to manipulation by white slave owners. And, you know, on the one hand, that helps him tell this story about how it's important to remember Africa, to remember where you came from. And that's this wonderful uh, part of the film, right? That's really the essence of the film. And it's enormously important. But I think that we have to also understand or, or really take seriously and begin to reckon with this deeper message that comes along with that, which is that the further you are from Africa, the closer you are to your complicity with whiteness, the closer you are to your own alienation and submission 
to violence. And in that way, Garima clearly sees African Americans as a broken people. As a broken people in the sense of a people who don't know who they are or who they should be. And those are two different things, right? The descriptive part, they don't know who they are, meaning they're lost. Like that's just a matter of fact for Garima, right? That's why Shona, when she's back among the enslaved, right, is herself confused, right? And how does she get unconfused, right? It's through her contact with Africans. And it's through her contact also, of course, with the, the, the West Indian who himself, right, is Africa, is closer to Africa than her. So there's an authenticity question that animates the entirety of Sankofa. And the argument of the film is that an authenticity, the authenticity question for African-Americans is finding the authentic self in Africa. And to find that authentic self anywhere else is to have fallen away from the, a sense of true self. There's this scene um, where um, the mixed race overseer kills his mother. Um, and, it's, and it's one of the most horrifying scenes I've ever seen in film. I, I find it almost unwatchable every time I see it. But in the background, if you if you pay attention, because of course Garima is a, as an artist filmmaker, he's someone who's who's paying attention to all of the details. There's uh, you, there are exposed roots of a tree, but they're exposed and they're no longer in the ground. We know that that tree is going to die because it doesn't have roots in the soil. That is, without roots. A plant dies, right? When they're exposed to the air, if you pull a plant up out of the ground and lay it on a on pavement or on dirt or on grass, it will die because the roots don't have anywhere to to gain sustenance. And in this moment of matricide, in the background is this lack of roots or roots that have been uprooted and don't have any ground to set themselves in. That tells the whole story of Sankofa. That tells the whole story of African-Americans when we start from the second side of the hyphen, the American, and think back to the African. We're talking then about a rootless people. That inverts the logic of Daughters of the Dust, in which, of course, as I've said already, for Dash, there is no rootlessness. There are roots. There's roots in the life and lives that were made under slavery that live on in forms of sociality and in in family stories and legend and myths. So the question of what Africa is in each film is part of what is an African-American. For Dash, what is African is a mythic memory and a beautiful one that makes for an amazing story that we have then punctured. Right by Bilal, who comes and says, actually, that's not how it went. But we all know that. We all know that Africans didn't walk on the water back to the continent of Africa. But it's an important story to tell because it dramatizes something that's important for African Americans to think about, to hear, to muse about, and to tell and retell about Africa. Right? That maybe there's a walking back. Or maybe that's a mythic miracle relation that Africa still lives despite everything that enslavers wanted to do 
to enslaved Africans. Africa does live in some way. So maybe that is like the miracle of walking back on water. But for Garima, it's exactly the opposite. And I think has to be understood as problematic. Here's where I will editorialize for a moment that he is actually making a deep claim that when you emphasize the American part of that hyphenated phrase, African-American, you affirm a sense of rootlessness and alienation and that rootlessness and alienation, it's only curative moment is going to be that moment of Africanization, of a reconnect to Africa like Shona does, where she travels back in time to experience slavery again, to understand the importance of remembering Africa, to putting roots in Africa. And then at the end of the film, when she comes out of this dream state or this time travel, she reappears at the, at the castle in terror because she's coming out of this time travel, but she comes out to sit among what I take to be this sort of gallery or, 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 um, you know, uh, you know, gathering of diasporic black people on the coast of Africa to say that, you know, all of these diasporic peoples to say we are Africans, this is our home, this is our root. But that vision of what an African-American is is so very different than Julie Dash's. And for me, in that way, you know, whatever the differences between these two films, because I think films ought to have differences, there ought to be dis debates and disputes. That's part of what intellectual traditions are all about. But that that dispute between Garima and Dash about what is an African-American is a dispute that really lies at the heart of black studies. And it lies at the heart of black studies for a reason, that one of the great puzzles of humanity is what it means to begin after such catastrophic and disastrous loss, so much pain across generations. Who and what is a people emerging out of that amount, right? That intensity of pain and loss across centuries. What is a person? What are a people after all of that? These films interrogate it they come to different conclusions, but for me, they're able through the artistry of sound and image to really make a statement about what perhaps is both the beginning and the end question of what is Black Studies.